Hello and welcome to another episode of Down Murder Lane, a true crime podcast. Hi everyone. This is episode 35. The geriatric episode. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we are on location in New Orleans mm-hmm. to discuss um, the some serial killer vampires. And this episode is going to be a little bit different because um, we're actually joined by another podcast, our friend Steven with... Uh, Vampire librarian. Sorry, my cats are like a stampede upstairs right now. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So um, we're just going to kind of do like a quick introduction. We recorded this entire, we recorded the episode in the It was oceans. so cool. It was very neat. When we were in New Orleans in the vam- a vampire speakeasy. Yes. It was so neat. On Bourbon Street. On Bur- yeah. So like. And you will hear like. You will hear background music from being in the speakeasy and they were serving drinks to other people. And then you will also hear some live music in a second line band that Outside, went that yeah. went by Bourbon Street. So it's very like authentic. Yes. True to form. Yeah. It was Friday. Friday night. Right before we went on a ghost tour. Um, so it's very, it was very just fun. great. It was a really cool experience. And we got to meet Stephen's boss and you will hear about it. And she's a really awesome lady. And uh, just really interesting. And did you finish her book? Uh, I did finish her book. I started it. it. I'm like halfway done. Okay. Yes. I, I really, really wanted to. And I want to do a follow-up episode with her. Yes. She's very, very Marita. Marita. Her name uh, is. Crandall. Yeah. Or, I hope I'm saying her name right. But yeah, she was very, very nice. But so this episode, we're in New Orleans. Um, we mash up with the Vampire Librarian podcast. So it's like true crime vampire, vampire. mashup. Yes. Very cool. Cool um, stuff, man. We're going to cover a case um, on uh, St. Germain. Yep. Which he's a like a vampire legend. Um, Marita's going to come in and do the Carter Brothers, which actually she's writing. Well, she wrote a book and it's in editing right now. Yes. Um, so we're going to have to link her, her current book, the one that she has out now, because... She gave us signed copies. It was yeah, so cool. It was oh, so gosh. cool. And then um, our friend Steven is going to do um, a vampire serial killer out of San Francisco. Or was it San? Yeah, it was like Sacramento. Sa- somewhere out there. Sac- San Francisco, Sacramento, one of the two. It was from Northern California. So obviously we did not visit that location. Um, we'll we- keep it in. Just so you guys can hear yeah, this piece. It's a real, we, we debated about taking it out, but the story is really interesting. Yeah. So I think it's a good idea to leave it in because yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. So let us know what you guys think about that. Yeah. But, um, here is our episode with the Vampire Librarian podcast. So hope enjoy. You enjoy. Welcome to the very first episode of the Vampire Librarian Podcast. As part of the Vampire Library Book Club's one-year anniversary, I wanted to create something new to commemorate this event. I'm here with my friends Jessica and Heather from Down Murder Lane and the New Orleans Vampire Empress Marita Crandall, proprietress of Boutique du Vampire, New Orleans Vampire Cafe, and Potion Speakeasy that we are currently recording at. Hi. Hello, everybody. You'll notice our accents are a little different. Um, we are from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Representing we are. Well, the great state of Wisconsin in glorious cheese. 
Yes. And beer. And beer. Because I wouldn't have not moved there. No. If it wasn't for beer and cheers. I know. So, um, yeah. so we are just very honored and delighted to be with Stephen today. My name is Heather. And I'm Jessica. And we're just very excited to be here yeah, as guests. And part of the first episode of yes, his what podcast. An honor. Yeah. I've been friends with Stephen for like 20 years. We met down in Tampa and we've grown to fall in love with the city of New Orleans. Yes. We're back for our second girls trip and we knew, you know, obviously the first thing we do, we get off the airplane and we're like, Stephen! We probably text Steven that we're here and we want to see him. And he's introduced us to this whole world of vampirism and so many fucking amazing legends and stories and cool things. So we're really excited. Yeah. And what we do on our podcast is talk about, obviously, true crime, which is what we're interested in. So this is kind of a mashup, a vampire true crime sort mm-hmm. of mashup between the dark, twisted world that Jessica and I live in and the dark, twisted world that Steven lives in. Yeah. Our and black hearts unite. Our black, dead soul hearts are just <laughs> meshing together right now. And also our, our podcast um, that you can find on any platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Down Murder Lane, or True Crime Podcast. We actually, what makes us different is we actually visit... We're awesome. Well, that, that I mean, that's... <laughs> don't even have to say it. Duh. But we actually visit the sites where these crimes happen. So, you know, this couple um, stories we're going to tell today and hear about is we're actually going to go to where this happened, and that's what makes us a little bit different. So yes. We a little always, more morbid and macabre. A little bit more morbid, a little bit more <laughs> macabre. We do some messed up stuff. Sometimes we do some hood rat shit um, mm-hmm. when we are doing our thing. Yeah, we're doing our investigating, investigating and sneaking adventures. into places. Because sometimes they don't want you to go to those places. We, but we don't have no bitch assness. No bitch assness. We, we go. We get in there. Yeah. And make it happen. All right. All right. So, yes. Thank you for having us, Stephen. So we are excited to take a trip down murder lane with Stephen today. Yes. So who, yes, that's, yeah, our tagline. Come yeah. take a trip with us down Murder Lane. All right, our first serial killer case is the inf- is the infamous Jacques de St. Germain story, which is going to be told by Down Murder Lane's hosts, Jessica and Heather. Take so it away. So excited. Yes. And you know what's really cool is we didn't even say this yet, but we are recording in Potions, which is the uh, vampire bar speakeasy, which, you know, you need a cool ass password to get in yeah. and stuff i still don't know the password thank goodness we know steven i mean our password is steven as far as i am concerned <laughs> for everything we should make yeah. that a password for like Hi. all of our logins my password in life is steven and yeah. then they're gonna be like heather what's your clearance level and i'm gonna say steven foley and they just know that we could be trusted <laughs> with anything yeah <laughs> just whatever deal with it yeah <laughs> well heather you can't do that yes i can steven steven yeah Bitch. <laughs> All right. So right. shall we get into this? Yeah. So Jacques, how did you pronounce his name? Jacques de Saint Germain. Jacques, Jacques, Jacques de, de Saint Germain. Okay. So I go first, correct? You are. All first. right. Here okay. we go. Vampires have long been fascinated in folklore and supernatural natural tales, as we can't help but be enchanted by these curious creatures. I love the word enchanted. Yeah. And unluckily, yeah, for us here in New Orleans vampires are closer than we might think. Through the earliest tales of vampires, though the earliest tales of vampires date back to Greek mythology, New Orleans is home to some of the most prominent vampire myths and recounts, and it's full of haunted history. And I feel like we feel that every time we're here. Every time I'm here, I feel I... that energy. Yes. As an empath, I feel it. Yep. Absolutely. In my soul, and I like it. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Most prominent is the tale of Comte de Saint-Germain, who many believe to be Jacques de Saint-Germain, Louisiana's very own vampire. Comte de Saint-Germain mysteriously came on the scene in France in the 1700s, so that's like back there, like wearing those big powdered wigs and like, yeah, they, they, that's that ruffle, itchy stuff on their neck. Yeah, always like, how do you deal? Like, and I like the the fake, uh, what's the fake thing? mole? The mole and like. The do you head. think that they just like use eyeliner? They're like, oh, I have a zit, they and then they're like, I don't know, they, they put some or stuff some on it, and they're like, look, I'm chic and I have a mole. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's what I, I wish I could do that. And then, like, when their hair starts to go gray instead of getting highlights like we do, they're like, just put some powder on that shit. Yeah, and, like, blend so it and make a big wig. Yeah, they knew they knew what was going I on. I know. We had smart. to go change it and make it better. Exactly. It's not better. I mean, I'd rather wear what I'm wearing right now than that itchy shit up on my neck. Yeah. That they were wearing I mean, and those corsets. I like the corsets. You want to look like Kim Kardashian? No, I want to be like <laughs> Belle. But that's okay. That's a totally another story. You want to have like, like a twenty-inch waist and forty-inch yes. hips like Kardashian? No, not Kardashian. What sort of uh, Scarlett O'Hara like that? Okay. But then, like there was no air conditioning or indoor plumbing, so like fuck yeah, that. no thanks. Out. Okay. All right. So seventeen hundreds. We talked about the fashion. That's obviously what we are very concerned about. <laughs> Though records suggest, and you know, so he comes on the scene in the seventeen hundreds. And then records suggest he may have been alive well before that, even during the time of Christ. Oh, crazy. So in the time of Christ, they wore, like, very drapey clothes. So you think, why would he... He should have just held on to that fashion. But he had to change. He had to... And, oh, he had to evolve with yeah, the times. Yeah, yeah, because he can't be wearing that same shit. Because then he'd be like, oh, that guy is weird, and he is a vampire. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So, yes, French historian and philosopher Voltaire, ooh, mm-hmm. some English class knowledge for you. Voltaire, King Louis the 15th? Is that 15th? I'm trying, trying to brush up on my it's an Roman. an X and a V? I don't know. Yes, Heather, score. Yes. King Louis the 15th, an Italian writer and adventurer, Casanova, all claimed to have known him. It's like people claiming to know Stephen. I know yeah. Stephen Foley. Bitch, please. I know Stephen Foley. <laughs> All right. Voltaire even said, he is a man who knows everything and who never dies. And I trust that. that I was trust smart. Voltaire, yeah. He had a couple things published. He had a, Voltaire? a couple, yeah. I had to read some of his works in college. It's, it's deep. It's heavy. Yeah. I did not write or read his stuff. I mean, I did. And I probably had to write papers on it and stuff. And, yeah. All okay, right. That's why... I th- you know, Wisconsin's education's better than Florida's, so. Okay. Yeah. All right, so records show that he was born in 1710 and died in 1784, but many people have claimed to have seen him since then, even as recently as 1970. He was a man with undeniable intelligence and wit. He captivated um, the elite with his knowledge and charm. He never seemed to age, obviously. Um, He is said to have spoken six languages, was a brilliant artist, could play the violin effortlessly, and even grew diamonds. Dang! I know. I want that talent. Growing diamonds? Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's like that rock candy kits that your kids have. The they geodes grow or whatever. The rock candy. <laughs> the like, geodes they put open. some shit on a string and then it just grows. <laughs> yeah. Like when you did like sea monkeys or Nazi yes. or the one. So, okay. Yeah. So Comte Saint-Germain was an alchemist and this is what that meant. So an alchemist was someone who turned different metals into gold and created beautiful jewels out of small stones. I want to be an alchemist. I mean, it sounds cool. Yeah. Like if there should be a, but like, why isn't there not 
alchemists or alchemists now. Like, why is no one doing this? Because he was rich as fuck. So sounds like this is an untapped industry. Maybe that we should. You and I. We need to like TM it or what is it? CM. <laughs> like trademark. No, we can bring TM. back alchemy. Bring it back. Bring yes. it back. You can be rich. So, um, now, y'all. <laughs> so alchemists were also in search of the fabled elixir of life. So it kind of reminds me of like Saint purple Augustine, drink. purple tree. <laughs> <laughs> it does bring us all back to life. I found That's it. True. <laughs> nice uh, try, Jermaine. I got it. <laughs> so he even trained other alchemists, including one under uh, Marie Antoinette's rule. Ooh. So at her execution, the alchemist supposedly saw Comte Saint-Germain. This was years after he was believed to have died. So Marie Antoinette was... She's like Tupac. I know. Tupac. He is Tupac. He's Tupac! He is. Holy shit. (laughs) We just solved it. We don't even need to do this. Yeah. I'm keeping close. Thug life. Done. Bye. Bye. Okay. So... (laughs) Um, and, and so Marie Antoinette was executed in 1793, and Saint Germain was said to have, like, you know, quote unquote, died. She's so like a hologram, like a Tupac hologram. He just comes down at Marie Antoinette's funeral, and he comes back. <laughs> I mean, I would want to see that. Right? I, when I die, I'm gonna write that in my funeral binder. I want a hologram. Yes, and you want to be there to. Yeah, and I'll be like Tupac, be like, come with me, <laughs> Hail Mary. <laughs> Okay. All right. So he wrote a book discussing his work. So, oh, this cut it off somehow. I don't know what the part is, but anyway, so there are books that he has written, um, but a lot of people who have tried to decipher like what the books mean. I couldn't even find a copy of the book online. I, but there's some historians that have wrote books about him and have included some of those works. But I wanted to find the original book that um, Saint Germain actually wrote about alchemy and kind of you know how to do that practice so yeah that's the real elixir of life that is the real elixir of life it's, i mean if we money. could roll our own diamonds we'd be rich as fuck yeah yeah okay okay all right he continued to travel all over europe throwing magnificent parties Ooh, i like him guests claim that he never ate a bite of food and his elite guests marveled at his stories and were mesmerized by his entertainment he eventually found himself in germany where he lived in the castle for a while as a confidant to Prince Hesse. He had one strange record of death, which was written by a priest under the king's orders. He supposedly died in 1784, but many people don't believe this to be true. Well, back in those days, like, the king tells you to do something, you do it. Right. Or you're going to get your head cut off. Off with your head. Yeah. So, of course, he's like, oh, yeah, you need to say that that guy died. Right. The priest to write... Like a death certificate or whatever. So, yeah. Okay. It's like the. This is like Tupac. I just love that. We just need next merch idea. Merch idea right now. Complex Saint Germain fangs out, but with thug the life crip. with the yes. crip. Yes. I mean, yeah. he's wearing a thug life shirt. Yes. And he's got. Yes. See, Comte Saint Germain. We don't need alchemy. Thug life. We don't need al- we no. just make money off merch. Exactly. Just okay. make money off of our brains. <laughs> We're alchemists in the brains. <laughs> Making diamonds. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, people don't believe this is true. People continuously claim to have seen him, and the record of his death is very skim. It is rumored that he did not die and instead traveled to the West in order to promote spiritual fulfillment. He claimed. His his claimed first stop is in New Orleans, Louisiana, where we currently sit. Yes. 
All right, so some 200 years after the death of um, Campe Saint-Germain, an immigrant from the south of France named Jacques, what, how do you say it again? Jacques. Jacques, okay. Jacques uh, de Saint-Germain. Um, anyway, so uh, I lost my place. So an immigrant um, named that, so came to New Orleans and moved into a dwelling off of Royal Street. Uh, Jacques Saint-Germain arrived in New Orleans, French Quarter, in 1902. He claimed to be a descendant of the very same Comte de, uh, de Saint-Germain, um, who he also bore an uncanny resemblance to. And I tried to find a picture, like, all the pictures that you find online was just, I couldn't even tell which one was which. Like, it wasn't saying, okay, this is this guy and this is this guy. But they just looked, all the pictures were exactly the same. So, um, so he claimed to be his ancestor, which I would want to, too. Um, and he, you know, like his claimed ancestor, he was incredibly gifted in arts and languages. He masterfully wove stories about enchanted, um, and, and he enchanted socialites, socialites. I like, I need electrolytes right now. Socialites. Socialites. I'm saying. You need electrolytes. I need electrolytes right now because I'm talking over my own self. So. I feel like whenever anybody goes to New Orleans, they need electrolytes. I, yeah. Hella electrolytes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so he. Enchanted socialite, so I can't even say it. So socialite, socialite of New Orleans, the upper class. So he was charming, charismatic, but most important, uh, he was fabulously rich. He spoke of events that happened hundreds of years in the past with great detail. He threw lavish parties with the finest foods, entertainment, and most prestigious guests, but never ate a bite of food. I mean. Why would you have all this nice food? I mean, look at this. Look at this spread we got right now. So he's basically Stephen. Stephen hasn't eaten anything. Yeah. Uh, Stephen yeah, got all this food, not, and he's not eating yeah, a bite. Yeah, we're not saying that. And he is like 38, and he looks like he's 20. Yeah. 39. 39. Okay. Okay, then we solved Stephen, it again. We, we cracked the case. So Stephen, is, Stephen is Saint Germain. Stephen is Saint Germain. Okay. <laughs> Stephen. Okay, so... This is why the password is Stephen. Stephen. <laughs> Stephen is Saint Germain. Okay, so all of that, you know, he charismatic and all those Hopefully things Hopefully you guys can rich. hear the music outside. There is, a, like, some jazz There's, music. There's, like, a second, like, line second line going, going by, and hopefully you can hear it. It's a very authentic recording. This is awesome. I love it. Yeah. There's people in the background getting drinks. There's bartenders work. It's great. So, okay, so if all that sounds familiar, just like his, you know... I guess, whoever he was related to. So no one questioned his seemingly immortal feel, but maybe they should have. I think they should have. All right. But if he's inviting them to all these parties, they're like, listen, I know it's weird, but don't say anything. We want to go to these parties. Don't make him yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, if it was like all free food Yeah, and it's like, drinks. don't say anything about him, yeah. all this stuff. Like, everybody knows, but they're just like not saying anything. It's maybe. like the elephant in the room. The vampire. <laughs> the vampire in the room. Okay. Exactly. So, not long after he had taken up residence in New Orleans, things got really creepy really quickly. There's a tale told by many vampire enthusiasts in the Big Easy that one night Jacques had a lady over to his home. He'd invited her over to a party with many up-and-comers and elites in New Orleans. After a while, he had asked her up to the balcony and attempted to bite her neck. She freaked out and was able to distract him long enough to take the only escape she had, right off the balcony, onto the pavement below. So she must have really feared for her life if that's She's like, the, oh my gosh. What she took, you know? Right. That's her way out. Well, he didn't, he doesn't eat, he's hungry. He's like, ah. <laughs> he saw all the food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So, all right, so she launches off the balcony under the pavement below. The story says that she was completely terrified and had drops of blood trickling down her neck. People quickly surrounded her and had the police there in no time. The woman was taken to the hospital as soon as possible, and the police, suspecting that she had become delusional, told the very well-known affluent and respected St. Germain not to bother coming in for questioning at this late hour. I mean, how entitled is that? Like, yeah. oh, you're one of the rich elites. You don't need to come. I mean, it's like nothing I'm changes. I'm sure you're tired. Yeah. Somebody said you did something messed up, and That's this woman okay. launched herself off a balcony. But, yeah. you yeah. know, never mind. Just get some rest, and yeah. we'll come talk in the morning. morning. See us. Typical French border police. Yeah. yeah. I think that's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere, police. <laughs> okay. So uh, they respected St. Germain not to bother coming in for questioning at this late hour, but rather to please visit the police station in the morning to go over accounts of the evening. Like, I promise I will be there. I sure, will, I'll I, be there. I'll be there. I'll come answer the all police your were confident that there was a reasonable explanation for what happened. It's got to be, right? Well, it, of course. She was probably wearing slutty clothing. Oh, yep. Oh, she shouldn't have been wearing that. She please. was showing cleavage, so yeah. clearly it's her fault. Her ankle was showing. Yeah, her That's ankle. That's her cleavage. <laughs> she, she didn't wear the tight like up. High collar. Yeah. Well, this is 1902, so oh. it's not... She was showing ankle. She was showing her ankle. A little bit of wrist. Maybe. I mean... Just hussy stuff. Cannot control yourself. Mm-hmm. All right, so the next morning, uh, St. Germain never appeared at the police station. Shocked. Weird. So, in fact, to everyone's surprise, he had completely vanished overnight, leaving the majority of his belongings behind. I mean, who could have thought that that might happen? I mean, they were so taken up by his charisma and his money that they probably were like, oh, he'll be here. They were we'll like, this dude grows diamonds. Yeah. Let him do his thing. Oh, yeah. And he'll come to us when he's ready. Yeah. No worries about all this. So, when the police... Um, investigated the crime they went to Jacques house uh, to make sense of the incident because you know they were this hysterical lady and witnesses and he's you know nowhere to be found um, and what they found made the hair on the on their necks you know stand straight up very yeah. creepy so it was said that they found clothes from all different time periods stained in blood wow there was absolutely no food not even utensils in the house there were many bottles of what seemed to be red wine, but were in fact wine mixed with human blood. So, mm. um, but so they did forensic testing on it and they figured it out. I don't know. They probably had somebody who just uh, let me taste it. Back in those days, they didn't have like kits like what they have now. I'm sure they're like, no, see, this is a no, see, the curious case of the blood wine. That's, that's human blood. <laughs> Okay. That's our early 1900s <laughs> detective, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Elementary, my yeah, dear Watson. Yeah. <laughs> That's human blood. That's human blood. Okay, what they didn't find was uh, Jacques St. Germain, um, who never did return. So legend has it that... because he's Jacques... a hologram. <laughs> Tupac coming down with the thing. California love. Yeah. Okay, so he, um, the legend has it that Jacques was actually Comte St. Germain and people still see a man who looks similar around the world. Wow. So doing a little bit of research, because they said, I was very interested in what someone said they had seen him in like 1970. And apparently there's this so actor. So was he wearing, was he wearing bell bottoms? 
Did he have an afro? 19, so he was wearing, like, no, but this actor claimed to be oh, yeah. his descendant. And he was he wearing, was, like... And, like, the Bahamas or something. Uh, the Virgin, something with the Virgin, Virgin Islands or something. Yeah, where something he, like that. And he, no, he was, like, the classic, like, 70s, like, thick mustache Bone and, like, stash. Daisy Dukes. Yeah? And, like, Did they have a little stripe? They had the stripe, but they were, like, like cut off, like, cut offs. Yeah? And they he had, like, hair, like, his shirt yeah. was unbuttoned. And, but he, he was not, like, he just claimed to be that. So, and then he actually like, committed suicide or something. I don't that know guy did? Yeah, later on. So He's a hologram. He just yeah. pulled himself out of that situation. Mm-hmm. So where is he going to go next? Coachella. Not to Wisconsin. I'm he's going to go to Coachella. If you're going to go anywhere in the world. He's fleeing COVID currently. Where do you think he is? He's here. Iceland? He's in Iceland. No, he's, he's here. here. Why would you want? This is a place I'd want to be. <laughs> This is where I want to live. That's where I want to be. Yeah. So he, he can apparate and he can go wherever he wants. Vampires can't do that, can they? They can do anything. And they went, okay, so I stand corrected. Um, we'll ask Marita about that when she comes on. Okay. Sounds great. Yeah. All right, so that is the case of Jacques Saint Germain. Saint J. Saint de. J. I'm never going to get it right, so just <laughs> Jacques cut it. Saint just say Germain. It, okay. All right. All right. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Heather. You're welcome. Thank you. Our second serial killer case is the infamous Carter Brothers. This section of the podcast will be told by Marita. Marita, take it away. Okay. Well, they're some of my favorite people, these guys, the Carter Brothers, John and Wayne Carter. And about 1932, uh, there were all these like people found missing, you know, or found, found missing, found um, drained of blood by their neck and just murdered, like a lot of prostitutes. And uh, it was like the serial killer was going around. Well, finally, and nobody could understand, you know, what was going on. Well, finally, this little girl ran away from the ho- home at 800, um, 801 Royal Street, I think yeah. it is. No, I'm way to one. Yeah. 810 Royal Street, sorry. So and literally right down the block from right across, across the street. Right across from the cafe. Right across, right across from the cafe where we yep. ate dinner yesterday. Yep. Great yes. food, by the way. Right across. <laughs> Great food. Uh, thank you. Um, Anyway, so this little girl ran away and got out, and she ran into somebody who found a policeman for her because she was hysterical, and she said that her mother and other people were tied up and that these people were drinking their blood. Wow. So the police, you know, they didn't take it that seriously, but they knew something was going on. So they banged on the door, and sure enough, the brothers were there, and there were seven people tied up, and they, sure enough, were all, all had lashes on their wrists. And um, they would pour their like blood into a chalice, and then they would toast and drink. And they drain people on a daily basis until they were dead, and then they put them on the third floor in the attic. Oh, for the third floor. And uh, so they this were. This was in the 1930s. Yeah, 1930s. Early so 1930s. no air conditioning. No, I know it must have been a nightmare. Like, I don't know. So then, um, when they were arrested, they they really wanted to be arrested, and they begged to be murdered. And like it was lucky that they didn't have a lot of insane. Um, the laws were different back then because yeah. these days it probably would have been found insane and not murdered. Yeah. Right. right. But they begged to be murdered because they said they were vampires and they would kill again. They just didn't know what to do. Right. 
So um, they went to the courthouse and everything, and they were found guilty. And then uh, they were hung. That's how they you know, yeah. killed people back in the day. And then they were put in one of our tombs. And it's a year and a day that you're in the tomb. And that's because after a year and a day, your body is completely decomposed. Okay. So it was always a year and a day. And so when they went out to, and they were married in St. Louis number one because they were Catholic. So even if you were a prisoner, or, you, oh, know, whatever, wow. you were Catholic, you were uh, but there. So um, that's interesting. Were, yeah, it is. And when they were taken out uh, the, to put the next people in, there was nothing left. No, usually there's bones oh, and clothes and whatever. And after a year and a day, there still would be something. Yeah, there's something for sure. Skeleton. You know, skeleton and your, and your clothes and you know, yeah, fibers. But there something. was nothing. No ashes. I mean, nothing. Nothing at all. And so then this rumor started that well, maybe they really were vampires and they got out. You know, because the What's it called? Hanging them wouldn't have killed them, right? Yeah. That would have just healed like that. Healed, yeah. And so that's where the mystery really started. And then uh, now there's been sightings. So sometimes they say there's sightings of two men standing on the third floor of the building across the street, you know, mm-hmm. late at night. And yeah, so yeah. yeah. That so that's the legend. Is, yeah, fascinating. How many people did they kill? Um, well, there were seven that they were killing at the time, and there was like about 30 bodies were in the attic. Oh my gosh! Wow! So I don't know anything about this case. So they like were people. there was like prostitutes and whatnot, and obviously yeah. they and were just disposable and sail- sailors. And so they were d- like I don't people that were deemed disposable at the time, right. and just like oh whatever. There's yeah. you know, which in New Orleans that's still a big you know I mean for vampires this would be a great hunting ground because there's so many people that come here to escape and they come by themselves and they just have a nickname nobody a really knows who they are kind and of if a they disappear right then yeah. who cares you know yeah. they don't never really knew They're that person anyway so this would be a good place I mean I don't want to give any serial killers ideas yeah. but you know if you're looking for a place where there's a lot of transient people that mm-hmm. might not might be known to just kind of go off the grid for a little while and right. it would be a good place to go also, um, at the time, there were, you know, barber foles. Uh, they were red and white. They, we America added blue at the, later on to be patriotic. Oh, the barber poles were just red that. and white. And they were red and white because it was to reflect or depict a towel waving in the, uh, in the air that was stained in blood because every barber was also a surgeon and they would let blood and also have leeches. And so people would go to the barber to have their blood leached or right. And then they would capture that blood. And so they were great, like, vampire friends. Vampires would befriend barbers to get that blood. This, I never knew this. Never this heard fascinating. this. Montelion's um, barber yes. has one, right? Yes. So the I'll barber, show you yeah. guys where that's at. And not only does he have it, he also is, we used to do a scavenger hunt, which we're about to re-initiate yeah. through Stephen. And they oh, were so on our fun. scavenger hunt, and you would go there and tell them the vampire sent you, and he would give you a pamphlet that explained the yeah. barber's connection to vampires, which is really cool. He's in my book, too. This, that is fascinating. I love learning things like that. Like, why why yeah. is something the way something is? It's not random. Yeah. Right. And I never knew that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. We just learned so, that today. We went to a, uh, we went to a Mardi Gras. The museum. Well, I was napping. They were napping, yep. They were done. Napping. She was hungover from doing Fireball. <laughs> and I wanted to, and they talked all about the history of, like, Mardi Gras and where it all came from and, like, why the costumes are like this and showed us different. It was really cool. And I'd never known any of these things. Yeah. I love learning Neat. why things are the way they are. And history. Yeah. And, and history. And I, honestly, I never knew that there was any reason why Barber. Yeah. I just recently learned that why the saying Saved by the Bell 
was. Do you guys know that one? No. no. So, so crush on my I dreams, love my this show. So, so during <laughs> Yellow Fever, um, you know, they would just pile bodies up above and then they'd on each other and then they'd like Oh, they bring, I know now. Yes. Yeah, they would tie bells on everyone's finger because now and then somebody was alive, they were just passed out but they were still alive. So they would, if the bell rang and they knew they were still alive and that's why it's saved by the bell. I thought that was fascinating that's too. That's right. I, yeah, I think I feel like I that's, that. I, yeah. Sorry. Okay, that? I have some Carter Brothers questions. Okay. <laughs> so Nick and Aaron? Nick and Aaron. I know. It is like, I'm a huge boy band nerd. Oh. Like Nick and Aaron, they're like the boy, the Carter Brothers. And they're um, not, they're probably, maybe that's them. Yeah, maybe. The Backstreet Boys yeah. suddenly become well, there's killers. Some, I'm sure there's some lady slaying over there. So they were, do they grow up here? Like what's their, what's their background? Um, nobody really knows like where they came from, but they, I believe they were from New Orleans and um, like, so, I mean, it's hard for me to distinguish now between what's real and what's not because I'm, I'm a novel done about the Carter yeah. Brothers. And in my story, my novel, The Carter Brothers, my story is that they returned during the Battle of New Orleans. Okay. And then that was their first stint, and then they came back in the 1930s and started their whole thing. But um, nobody really knows where they came from, but they had New Orleans ac accents. So, okay. you know, I believe they were from here. Were they really brothers? Were they just yeah. like blood brothers? Did he. I think you know. they were really brothers. Really? Yeah. Okay. And then, if back in the days were, or so the 30s, where they were put in the tomb, was there no locks? Like, because is there people like me, like, oh, I like that stuff, I'm gonna go in there. Like, you know, from like in Chicago, like the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, they had the wall where they, you know, Al Capone killed all the people, and, and people were coming and stealing the bricks because it had blood on them still. Were there people like that? Do you think maybe there's came always and took their people remains? like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, knows. since you're, yeah, since like us. Yeah, who want to see crime scene photo? I mean, I want to see everything. But would you think that could have happened? Well, at the time, um, I mean, it was really horrific to have a serial killer. And I think, you know, because they were criminals and they were put in one of the prison tombs, yeah. they were pretty carefully watched as well. Right. Okay. And so then, and when they put other people in there, especially when they took their bodies out and there was nothing left, then they put next prisoners in and they just like, usually put the ashes, like they'll take everything out, put the ashes to the middle. Okay. And there's a, a usually a, a cylinder, like, what's it called? A, like a, not a cylinder, like but a, shoot. a like a chute. Yeah. And the ashes go down in the center and then the next person, you know, goes in. So that, that didn't happen because they weren't in there. But, so it was the next person's tomb. And so I don't think anybody was really interested in. Wow. You know, yeah. Crazy, huh? So they they buried them alive, waited for the year and a day, and then they cremated them. No, no, so it's natural cremation because it's so hot here. Or decomposition. That you put them in there. Yeah, yeah it when yeah. you leave them in for a year and a day, the the heat and the humidity just bakes the entire body. Oh, so it's you don't okay. even need to like do a, a physical cremation because it's naturally done. Saves that money. Sense. Very yeah. physically conservative. Sure, like, okay, but the bones, like, where are the bones? You just push the and bones you, you down. You probably the know this about the above yeah. ground tombs, why they're above ground. Don't know. Well, it's because uh, there's no, there's it's the swampy or whatever. Why well, I'm from Tampa, so I know Yeah, they were bodies when they first were burying people here when they were St. number one. They were floating in the street when yeah. we had a big, you know, Disgusting. flood and stuff. So they had to come up with something. And what's really creepy is now when there's a, like a major flood and you're walking through the cemetery and, like, say, you know, they're the water's there. You can actually hear them like knocking up against. No, you can't. Oh, no, you can't. yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> so creepy. I just like process that again and get yes. like. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. As creepy as that is, I want to hear it. Well. Oh yeah, so I absolutely do. The, the other thing with Marita's legend, um, the Carter brothers' home. Remember when they demolished it and they found the human remains? 
Yeah, well, but that's in my novel. Oh, we won't. Okay, we won't spoil it. No, we can't talk about. We want to because I gotta read this. Yeah, my novel starts when the building next door to the Carter brothers' home collapsed. It just felt like the balcony fell off and the building crumbled, and so then uh, they did an archaeological dig, which is still kind of going on. And so that's what spurred my idea for the novel. Oh, I love it. I love that. Is that why that big gate was? Yeah. I remember last time we were here. Yeah, there is. But I was going to tell you too, do you know about the green hue? No. This is really cool. This is not in this book, but it's in a different book I wrote. Um, So when they, when you have a grave site, like in a cemetery, when they dig the graves, and like they usually do it at night too, like when it's cool, I guess. Anyway, when they put the bodies in at that at night, when there's fresh bodies in the ground, there's this green mist above the the grave, and this is really true. And it's called the green hue, and it's the gases coming up from the body, right? But like like guys take advantage of it. Usually grave diggers, they'll like bring people there to like you know tell a story. Yeah, there's like uh, what's it called? Phantoms are coming out of the ground tonight. Well, you know? it looks, and then, yeah, yeah, it looks really it's creepy. creepy, and then girls will latch onto them, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, smart. the green hue. I mean, of all colors, isn't that crazy? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Very so interesting. When is your book coming out? Um, next year. Next year. Yeah. Amazing. Oh I don't Can't know wait. exactly when, but yeah, I'm working on edits right now. It would be out right now, but I opened up the restaurant. So. Well, and the restaurant's great. Thank Which you. is why I worked it, right? I love, I love the I love lighting. It. I was telling him, like, just like, bird that espresso maker. I know it doesn't, but that thing is cool. It looks yeah. like a coffin. That's from True Blood. Um, really? End of the coffin, oh, yeah. I didn't know that yeah, that that's really my cool. favorite show. I also like, have Vampire Bill's coffin that's so yeah. I saw him that in the courtyard last night. So. Yeah, so I was very excited. Yeah, we gotta do something with that. We gotta bring yeah. it up here probably. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, because you already have the other coffin yeah. in the store. Yes. Oh, and Eric's crossbow. Oh. I know. That's my prized possession. I love that. I, how did you get that? Can I ask that? He gave it to me after we they ended the show because we did a lot of work with them. So, oh, yeah. so you okay? So then they're like, yeah. oh, here's like. They always oh, had our wine really and our nice. vodka and Fantasia. And, yeah. yeah, that's cool. That's amazing. Oh, this was so great to talk to you. Yeah, like, wonderful. What stories. an honor. I know. Well, well and Stephen shares so much about you and oh, how yeah. passionate he is about working for you and here. Well, we love having him. He's the best li- vampire librarian ever. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and we're just really happy that he found his little home in your business. Me too. Thanks for taking care of our friend. Yes. You're welcome. And Thanks. feeding his dark hearts. Yeah. I do want to say one more thing. It's a totally different legend, but the Casket Girls, I'm one of the few people in the world that's had a private tour of the Ursuline Convent attic. Where the oh, Casket Girls are supposed to be held Were the Touchstone Jesuses? No. Over it's uh, Ursuline. Okay, yeah. got it. Um, and what's really cool about that is, so the Casket Girls are supposed to be held captive in the attic, and they came from France and, right. um, to help you know bring a better quality of people here to New Orleans, because it was all prostitutes and hookers. They're like, we need Need some high-class broads. Right. <laughs> right. Apparently, they returned on you know the way here. So anyway, what was cool about it was they wouldn't let me publish it in the book. But if you go to my website, which is my name, MaritaWoodcrandall.com, okay. um, under the research tab, I published my whole experience, and it was really awesome. And with pictures and everything, so you can yeah. actually see the upstairs, and it's way creepier than you would ever imagine. Oh, Are you originally God. from here? Germany. Germany. Yeah. Wonderful. But I've been here for 20 years now. So this is your home. Yeah. I lived in California too before. Gotcha. Wonderful. Why'd you come to New Orleans? I'm business, and I just fell in love with it. With it yeah. You're like, I'm never going back. My whole like reason for then, on this here. one. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna read it. Can't wait to read it then. Yeah. Can't wait. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank, no, thank you, you. for wonderful. hosting us and, like I said, giving our friend his, his home. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm so books. grateful for you guys for doing this. Um, 
So I'll go ahead and hit pause on this, mm -hmm. and then we will uh, jump into the next uh, story in one second. Wonderful. Right, Can't so wait. I'm excited. This is awesome. Until next story. time. Uh, so Until I'm next time. The, Take that trip. Um, but pack wisely, because you never know who you're going to run into. Oh. Down so Murder Lane. Alright guys, so we are doing the final vampire serial killer case, and I'm going to be doing that myself. This one is going to be the Vampire of Sacramento, also known as the Schizophrenic Vampire Killer. So I first heard about the Vampire of Sacramento in May this year, while we read Tracy Andragetti's novel Campari Crimson. Um, while reading this book, I was drawn to this and questioned if Andragetti was adding this as a fictional intrigue or if this was a real true crime case. After doing the research for this podcast, it certainly is. In L. Caton's article, they state, in the past 250 years, the active belief of vampires has been generally confined to the peoples of Eastern Europe. But in the United States and Western Europe, it has been relegated to literature and cinema. The vampire theme thus presents psychiatry with a unique phenomenon I can't even say this word. Phenomenological <laughs> view of schizophrenia. That is a word. Right? Yeah. That's like way too long. So when you start doing these podcasts, you're gonna learn. You just don't don't you just don't put those words I, I, in there because you I know you're gonna to mess Jessica them up. And she gets no, and she, I know she does because I'm like she, my, my part will come. I'm like you did that on purpose. It's, you know I can't say no that word. Of like <laughs> trying to like stop and re-record because I, would I just never. know how to butcher it. Yeah, I don't look up <laughs> synonyms that are harder to say <laughs> with my. <laughs> Okay. So, why mention this? Well, because the Vampire of Sacramento's nickname was also the Schizophrenic Vampire Killer. Richard Chase was his real name. But to understand Richard Chase, we must go back to his beginning. Chase started showing signs of mental illness at a young age. His father was very controlling and was very abusive, and failed to get him the help he needed. He set several small fires, frequently wet the bed, and displayed signs of cruelty to, toward animals. And as I was reading this, I was thinking, what is the significance of frequently wetting the bed? Like, it's like the many, trifecta many of many people like, do that. It, yeah, hit your head, yeah. hit animals, that, and pee your bed. Right. Yeah. Or, so, and like some kind of trauma. Mm -hmm. They say it's, a, unfortunately, they say it's a sign of somebody that's been, a child that's been sexually abused. Okay. Wetting the bed is a very okay. common occurrence in children that have been molested. Okay. Yeah, this, so this article uh, didn't list some of that, but it does say this is called, uh, these three habits are often called the McDonald triad. Yes. Which helps predict a person's sociopathy. Correct. At, eventually, things got so bad for Chase when his dad kicked him out, forcing him into homelessness. Oh, that's great. So you're already mentally give ill and now you're just going to give up on just, your son just whatever mm -hmm. society just deal with him and I'm done here exactly that's horrible yeah, sad. well things escalated and Chase began using drugs and because of these drugs his symptoms of his mental illness increased he dramatically he was self-medicating exactly so he's Without doing his this best is so sad it's, it's already a tragic story exactly. in the beginning um, Chase believed that his heart had stopped and that he was a walking corpse Although he thought himself dead, he still wanted to be healthy. So there was some um, part of his brain, part of his yeah, that that was functioning yeah. conducively. Um, but because he still wanted to be healthy, he wanted to obtain vitamin C. So 
to do this, he would crush an orange on his forehead because he believed that his cranial bones had shifted. And so because they shifted, he wanted to um, increase the vitamin C by squishing it on his brain so his brain would just absorb it into his system. Interesting. <laughs> I'm not um, laughing, but just... I, I don't follow that logic, but... No, okay. Um, this is what he believes works for him. Okay. But while we're discussing his head, he also, like I mentioned, his, um, his belief was that his cranial bones had shifted. And then at age 25, he was clinically diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Now, I feel like that's a fairly young diagnosis of that. I, I'm not late too teens. familiar late with teens? early 20s. Okay. okay. When, yeah. That, yeah. And what I've read. So. I'm, I'm not too well versed mm -hmm. on schizophrenia. Okay, so that's um, a typical age. I'm wrong. It is. Okay. It is? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. For that. But it, at this point in his life, it's he had so many situations that, like, he could have gotten the help. Yeah. And now he's finally being diagnosed yeah. versus like maybe he should have had some help in the beginning to yeah, get a better really. diagnosis yeah. or something. So this was in the 70s, right? So mental yes. health awareness was not. Yeah, we not, just not still not. We shoved things under it's, the rug, yeah, didn't talk about it. Don't, especially nothing to in see the here. US, it's very yeah, horrible. Yeah, it's very awful. Um, so after being clinically diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, he was hospitalized for it. And his nurses actually named him Dracula because he was caught on numerous occasions catching birds, mostly pigeons, and sucking their blood. Like Ozzy Osbourne. So there's the three. You know, you're, you're hurting young animals. Hurting you're animals. Hurting animals. That's yes. and then you're wetting the bed, and you have head trauma mm -hmm. from those oranges. And uh, he, um, I, I may have missed it in my notes, but he was also contributing uh, cruelty towards animals as a kid. Oh, yeah, okay. so yeah, that's it. He was done. Bred yeah. to be a serial killer. And then he, his family abandoned him and he had trauma and all sorts yeah. of other mm -hmm. things going on. Um, so after that, he did this because he believed he was being poisoned at the um, institution and his blood was turning into powder. Mm. So somehow the animal blood that he was consuming refueled his blood and uh, got rid of the poison. So shortly after this, the staff at this institution believed he was miraculously rehabilitated. So they released him. <laughs> in the 80s? Was it in so, the 80s? Uh, this is uh, back in the 70s. Oh, so just, late 70s? just before his Ray. incidents began. Oh, okay. Um, so after they released him, uh, this was followed only followed by more situations at other institutions. So he was consecutively put into many different institutions, and then each one was saying he was rehabilitated. But there's so no rehabilitating somebody who is paranoid schizophrenic. It's yeah. not That's a situational condition. Yeah. yeah, it is a. I, I don't a know what the thing. yeah. I don't know what the medical field was like what it was like in the 70s so mm. i don't know if they were like maybe you could get rid of it oh, I, he's I on his know. medication like, and he yeah. seems better so that yeah. Is, yeah no he's actually just stabilized yeah because he's taking medication yeah. but he well, still needs to be in some therapy it doesn't go away still need to keep an eye on him he's sucking blood out of bird what out of birds <laughs> so again after he leaves these multiple institutions this is just another set of people who failed him to get the help that he seriously needed mm -hmm. Um, soon after this, he leaves his mother's home because he feared she was poisoning him. So he moves in with roommates who actually abandon their apartment in fear of him because he was um, constantly uh, drug abusing 
and he was also walking around the apartment nude and refused to wear clothes at Great. any point. I mean, did you have any roommates like that in college? Or, I mean, I, college was crazy. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of crazy any, any roommates in like college. that in my life. I mean, but it kind of seems a little. I mean, like oh, I walk around without pants. pants yeah, on I a mean, lot. if you want that, there's Bourbon Street. So yeah, so I don't, <laughs> I don't like pants. That. I don't know. Um, so uh, after uh, the roommate situation, he ended up living alone because his roommates left, which is not a good environment for him. No. So this um, this is when he began catching small animals and would blend them up in organ, blend them up in a uh, blender with their organs into a milkshake or add the mix into a uh, soda drink and then drink them. Or he would eat them raw depending on oh, what his appetite was. Surprised he's even alive. Like that seems know, like he gets some kind of like, disease. Yeah, or something. exactly. Um, mm. But this was because he doesn't sound like the cleanest person either. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm just gonna I, throw that out there. Probably <laughs> not. It's good protein though. Uh, this was the catalyst for all of his killings. Though. Sorry. What? <laughs> so it's true. In 1977, um, Nevada police found Richard covered in blood, but because it was cow blood and not human, they let him go. Oh, lovely. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, that's and, not instead disturbing. Instead of questioning. Yeah. Why oh, do you that's have bovine cow blood. blood that's okay. Um, so again, Good for your more people who failed to get this man the help he desperately needed. December 25th, 1977, Chase's mother refused to let him come home for Christmas. Also another traumatic event. Yeah. You're already mentally ill and you can't even come home for Christmas? Like your mother doesn't right. want yeah, you but there? She may have been fearful of him with all that's these things. True. I mean, he's unstable. You have him in your yeah. house. Is he going to... I don't know. As yeah. a mother, I don't know. I think. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I don't know all of that, but that's. It seems like such a a, a sad situation yeah. for the one day of the year that mm-hmm. you're supposed to be like so happy and be around friends and family, yeah. and like maybe that could have shifted him to a a positive situation. Who knows? Safety isn't probably not a holiday. <laughs> like you know. But, um, Let's see. Uh, so, because of this situation, just a few days later, on December 29th, he found his first victim. Ambrose Griffin, age 51, was helping bring his wife's groceries into the house when Chase shot him in the chest. Oh. This was his only victim that did not follow his future traditional murder justifications. He believed that if a person's doors were unlocked, that this was his vampire invitation to kill them. Okay. If the door's unlocked, the vampire's invited in. Hmm. So he's like, well, you're telling me to come here. I believe it. Hmm. Then on January 23rd, 1978, he walked into Teresa Wallen's home, also unlocked. She happened to be pregnant and shooting her with the exact same gun that he killed Griffin with. He then stabbed her with a butcher knife before cutting her organs out and drinking her blood. The final murders of the Vampire of Sacramento were completed at the home of Evelyn Maroth on January 27th, four days after he killed Wallen. The first of the Maroth victims was Evelyn's friend Dan Meredith. By killing the only adult male with a gunshot to the head, his threat to the other victims were extinguished. He then proceeded to kill Evelyn's six-year-old son with a shot to the head twice. Evelyn was partially cannibalized missing some organs, and he attempted to remove one of her eyes unsuccessfully, ending in Chase having sex with her corpse afterwards. 
Okay, can we back up for just a second? Necrophilia is just, I can't. Yeah, well, this puts you in a different category of serial yeah. killer. Yeah, like... The, the case in general, I mean, there's... Like, it's real fucked up. It's, it's pretty disturbing. Yeah. But the, you said, so his M.O. changed after the first guy he just shot, but yeah, he did so not drink his blood nope. or and cannibalize he, he him. he did not go into the guy's house. So only after that first victim He's did he use up. the justification that if his victims had an unlocked mm -hmm. door... He could go in and kill them. So every time he's leveling up. Mm -hmm. So then the next time he adds necrophilia into the mix, just a little dash yes. of that. Yeah. Yes. Lovely. Okay, I'm just interested <laughs> in that because why would he? Why would he kill that guy and not? I guess if he was, that was. I, I think the justification for that one was the trauma from the Christmas event with his yeah. mother. Yeah. He was just angry. And it was just an, a, a yeah. reaction. A release of. Um, the and then pissed. you know the the next victim was like his mm -hmm. train wreck of. Or that's now he's that. getting like the vitamin, whatever he needs yeah. out of. Okay. Yeah. Um, so after Evelyn, um, he um, killed the he, son. He had sex with the corpse, okay. and then a neighbor actually knocked on the door, spooking Chase. Interesting that a vampire could be spooked, um, and he grabbed the infant, which was decapitated, and left behind a box, and uh, behind a box behind a church oh, okay um, and it was not found for four months what so, okay vampires can't be spooked I, you can't like i would imagine creep up on a vampire okay yeah I, I don't think can you creep up on a vampire i don't know I, i'm asking you guys that you experts <laughs> they don't know it like if he knocked I, I on the door imagine, and it scared him it's me i mean it, it seems strange to me but i mean the whole case seems strange in general yeah. but Okay, so maybe maybe I'm missing a piece to it too. <laughs> no, no, like he spooked, he ran away, but so he, was he not um, caught for four months? He, they did not find the body of the infant for four months, um, but he actually was um, caught later. Um, so, due to Chase's bloody fingerprints at the scenes of all the crimes, and his uh, multiple institution with fingerprints record, and stuff. Yeah. So he was on file, plus his track record of drinking the blood, mm -hmm. and um, they found a uh, blender, which is one of the pictures in the case here, um, that was still covered in blood. Um, so I'll, I'll go mm. into that in a second. Um, but due to Chase's bloody fingerprints at the scenes of the crime, Chase was finally captured. He was imprisoned and sentenced to death by gas chamber. His fellow inmates feared him due to his history and peer pressured him yeah. into killing himself. And he did that by a lethal dose of anti-anxiety medicine he had been stockpiling for his um, anxiety yeah. in yeah. general. Um, Chase's mortality ended December 26, 1980. Um, so the question um, about like uh, him being so, captured and stuff. So, so how long after these murders was he caught? Um, so this article, I, I couldn't find it in there. Okay. Um, but it had to have been within the four months. Um, okay. Because did he confess to, or did he say, "Oh, I put the they, baby behind the church"? And then... They initially the trial denied him um, insanity. Yeah. But then the uh, the retrial went mm -hmm. through, and it, he uh, the entire uh, trial or mm -hmm. the entire um, what do you call them right. uh, jury all decided that he was guilty, and then that's when he was um, given the But I'm also surprised they didn't find him guilty by reason of mental, mental defect. Yeah, that's yeah. a new, well, back then it would have been insanity, insanity. or yeah. whatever. Because but. he was a diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic, so again, it mm -hmm. makes you wonder what was the mental health 
knowledge and whatnot back then? How, what was the knowledge that they had of people that suffered from schizophrenia? Yeah. So, wow. um, Which is a those, horrible mental condition. Those are the pictures. Um, um, he looks like Richard Ramirez. I was going to say, say he looks like the Night Stalker. Yeah. Who also went to open houses. Richard You're Ramirez right. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He does look like Richard Ramirez. So I have I a recurring dream. Not serial killer, so I'm learning all the I have, <laughs> I have a recurring dream in my life. It's really strange. I've had it for probably like six, seven years, mm-hmm. and it happens like a couple times a year just randomly and I try to write so down what's happening in my blunder. life to see if there's anything that triggers it um, but I'm grocery shopping with one of my kids bloody and there's somebody in front of me and I'm standing with the cart and then the person in front of me turns around and it's Richard Ramirez that's creepy as and then I wake up yeah, it's horrible. You need to go to somebody who can like. I tried to. I tried to, and there. I don't know. Like I've tried to look into it and figure out what it is. Yeah. But it's always I'm grocery shopping, and my oldest yeah. is with me, and I have the cart, and you know you're just waiting in line, and the person in front of me turns around, and it's that face from the courtroom. Yeah. Where he turns around and he's, he's like, like this with the. Yes. And when it's this pentagram on his hand, yeah. he's like. Huh? I actually hate him. I That's don't why. like him. That's why he's in there. He is my most, like, he just, I I think he's just revolting. He's not fascinating to me at all. He's just, because he was just a madman. He had no, mm-hmm. like, interesting thing about him. He just was, yeah. He just scares the living you-know-what out of me. So. Do they know yeah. about the accident? No, uh, I'm no, doing I kind of told them about it last time. I'm doing um, that case for our podcast. Yeah. yeah, I love it, so and it's too. it's <laughs> so great because it happens during a pandemic, also. So it like ties in to it's current so day. Yeah. So yes, we are doing an episode. I've been researching that for an yes. episode, okay. and um, very excited. Yes, I want to hear about I've it. Done yeah, a I've, deep I'm dive. excited because I want to know more about it. Like living here, I know stuff, mm-hmm. but like I haven't researched it enough. I've so. done. I've been yeah. down a rabbit hole. Okay. But I feel like is that something that's like yeah. has it been taught? You know, like I know it's very when you think of New Orleans, that the first one that comes to mind. You know what I'm saying? Talks about a lot. Yeah. I don't know. When I bring it up to people, a lot of people don't know anything about it. No, okay. Well, it wasn't very popular until American Horror Story came out. Correct. Real? Okay. Yeah. And then even the people that I don't know that watch American Horror Story, they don't have. A, they have very surface level knowledge of it. They don't know yeah. a lot of the other stuff. No, I don't know anything. And then there's yeah. a lot of things that go into it that are like sociological issues in New Orleans at the area that like talks about. Mm-hmm racism and all sorts of okay. interesting things that were contributing to the ish, to the yeah. crimes okay. which is fascinating because yeah. I'm a history nerd so I like I love learning about I love it, it. Yeah. I love yeah. it okay I'm excited to hear that story there's so. a reason why he was killing Italian grocers okay don't tell me don't tell me and then the theories about who he could have been and what happened okay. and why it abruptly stopped I feel stopped. like we're okay. going to go into the next episode right yeah. now yeah. Yeah. so I'm just really excited because I've been down a major rabbit hole I got it got yes. it got it okay all right, guys. Awesome. So that concludes uh, the Vampire of Sacramento, um, which is our final case. Um, so now, guys, uh, I got a little bit of time before I got to head back over to work. Um, but if you guys want to do any follow-up commentary on any of the cases or any questions, um, let's go ahead and do that now.
I feel like I was just given like a bunch of homework. <laughs> like yeah. I have all these things. I want to read the book. I want to look into this case. I want to do that. I want to know more about I all these things. I feel like I am going to be very entertained on my flight home because I'm just going to be reading, like looking up a lot of things yeah. and reading this amazing book that Stephen gifted us that yeah. Marita wrote. Can't wait to read it. Yeah, I want to know about these. We brothers. will. I have. We so will many put a questions. link to the book on our um, social media and podcast information so people can check it out. Yeah. Can you buy the book anywhere? Is there certain places? Yeah. Barnes and Noble, Amazon. If you awesome. buy my shop, um, they're signed. Yeah. Oh, well, we would prefer that you sign that you buy directly from the shop. You will ship, right? We ship, and okay. they even email us when they buy it and say they want it signed to them. Amazing. We, we would prefer that you buy directly from the shop. Yeah, for sure. And merch. Feelthebike.com. Yeah, oh yeah, and is that other stuff you can buy from the vampire Any, boutique any, and stuff? Anything that's in the shop is all on the oh, website. Oh, so, okay. And we can ship. Yeah. We can ship anywhere in the U.S. Though, right? We can't yes. ship international. Correct. Okay. Okay. Well, that was really that's really interesting. I have a lot of questions, but I need to like <laughs> stop talking and like read the book. Because she's yes. probably gonna tell me like just stop. You so just read this. Well, and it's maybe I feel so bad because I really wanted you guys to have the book in advance so it's you guys fine. could read it for the Saint Germain section, but it. This last year has been insane, so like, it just. I listened to a bunch of podcasts, I read a bunch of stuff, it's totally fine. Yeah. We, maybe we can do, um, some kind of a FaceTime thing together where, after we read the book, where we talk again. Yeah, I'm oh, yeah. totally down. Like, we could totally do that. Love it. Yay. I'd love talking more about the casket girls, but mm-hmm. I would yes. love to know about that, it first. You know? I I'm, have a very surface-level knowledge of that, mm-hmm. so I would like to talk more about that. And initially, I was going to do the casket girls and keep it all New Orleans, but Tracy's novel, like, that vampire case just fascinated me so much, and I was like, I have to know more about this. Yes, like, you had to go down the rabbit hole. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and, you needed and, and trust it. me, I got lost in it. I'm like, this is no. such a disturbing case, but like... I, it's not that I feel I guess I do feel empathy for him just because he I'm not saying he wouldn't have turned out to do horrible things but But Jessica and I are not expert parents but we like to give some parenting advice in our podcast because we are mothers and if you are seeing your children doing disturbing things get them help don't pretend it's not happening and don't kick them out of your house love them Get them help. Yeah. Make them feel wanted. Love that. And yeah. maybe they won't like Do suck. Bad things. Yeah, suck blood out of birds' necks and kill people. I don't know. I mean, it seems pretty basic. I mean, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, like basic parent knowledge. But also, mm, blood. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah, you know, if you if you notice your children, there's some disturbing behavior, or they're struggling with things. Like, Go get them help. Yeah. No shame in that. It's actually very admirable. Yeah. It's not the easy way. No. But it's yeah. the best way. Yeah. All right. Well, do you guys have anything else? No, no other no, questions. this was just such an honor and a pleasure. Thank well, you so I'm, much. I'm so glad you guys joined me in this. Like, yeah. it, it, it seriously made my day. Um, Yay! And thank you, Marina. Thank you, guys, thank you. down Murder Lane. Thank you. Um, yes. And, and thank you again for letting us host this up here. Thank you so, so much. It's like for perfect location. So. This is yeah. just, it's a dream. Thank the you. It's like you always want to, like, be in this. So, all right, yes. well, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you guys so much. Until next time. All right, so as far as the places that we visited, so the first stop was, um, the, the, actually, if we'll just go by the storyline, was um, St. Germain. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to his house, which was 
what was the address again? 1041 Royal Street. So that it's a gorgeous house. And it's the same exact building that's it's standing. It's the same building. Um, and it's, what's the, the cross balcony. Right in the red door. The red door. Um, it's beautiful. It's currently owned by a single person. And he, um, he's, his windows were open. His blinds were open. So obviously I was looking through the blinds. Oh, yeah. Hoping somebody wasn't going to like see me with my face like right in the window. Remember all the condensation that's on the window? I was like... It's Royal Clearing and Ursulines. Okay. Ursulines, whatever Ur it is. Whatever that street is. Well, creepy stuff happens there. Oh, but, yeah. We'll get um, into that in our next episode. But um, beautiful building. Really Gorgeous. cool to see. You know, when you're looking at the story, it's like, oh, she jumped off the balcony. Yeah. But she didn't die. And people are like, well, how does she not die? Like, just, it's really not you could that see how far. she wouldn't die. Yeah. So she jumped off to get away from St. Germain. Um, but, yeah, it was a really Trying neat, to give her a hickey. Yeah. That's all he's trying to do. And he's like, come here, girl. Thirsty. Like your neck. <laughs> <laughs> protect your neck. Come here. Protect your neck. <laughs> it all comes back. So, um, yeah, so that was a really, really neat place. Oh, and my We gosh. went there really late at night, so it was kind of yes. creepy. And then remember that guy was there with that, like, we were the only ones on the whole block. Yes. And then that guy and that girl were right there talking and she was talking all about St. Germain. He was just like listening. Like he was just like, whatever. I'm just trying to get laid. <laughs> Tell me your creepy stories. Yeah. So anyway, um, and then the, that all you want to say? I just wanted to tell you that the next episode that we're talking about is about a particular block and this house is on that block. It is on that block. It's on the corner of that block and oh, Royal. That Royal. But we went there. Yeah. It's on the same block as the other stuff. We'll talk about it next oh, episode. Oh, okay, okay. I'm like, now I'm forgetting. I'm kind of... I'll show you. We went to a lot of different places. Yeah, so. I'll show you in the map. Okay. It's okay. crazy. That's why I was like, oh my God. Oh, it's creepy. God, I love New Orleans. Yeah, it's crazy. And then the second um, was the Carter Brothers. So mm -hmm. it was the 800 block of Royal and St. Anne. Uh, the building is no longer there. It's uh, still under, and we passed by. It's basically, that. it's across the street from the boutique de, de vampire or the no the cafe. The, the cafe is right there, and then it's yeah. right across. It's across from the cafe. Mm -hmm. They're still excavating. Yes, and there's, there's a like fence. there's a um, there's a college ar archaeological department sign there that says we are excavating this and working site. on it. Yeah, right. Because in when you in, in the episode, Marita talks about. Still, as they were excavating and destroying and digging, they were finding bones more. and more bodies, uh, body parts and stuff like that. So I'm sure that whatever they put in that place is not going to be haunted at all. No. Right? <laughs> so if you look on Google Maps, I'm looking right now, and you look at the 800 block of Royal Street, so Royal and St. Anne, you will notice that there's building, 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 and an empty spot building. The empty spot is where that house was. So if you happen to look on Google Maps and you just kind of do a street view or whatever and you see an empty lot, that's where the, the house was and where they're excavating. Yeah, where they found all the bodies in the right. attic and the second-story apartment and all that good stuff. Right. So, yeah. But that so was really pretty fun. interesting. We were not, as we mentioned, able to visit the other location in California. Yeah. Maybe someday. Yeah. There's certainly like no to. shortage of stuff in California. Uh, no, yeah, we could we could do a whole big road no trip of like episodes of yeah, we could do a whole big road trip of like 
rent an RV or take your family's RV and yeah. drive from LA and do my favorite person, my least favorite person. Yeah. You know, the night stalker. Oh. I hate him. Mm. And then just go all the way up and do and end it with Bundy. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a dream. Dude. <sighs> do you know, do you know how to drive an RV? I'll figure it out. Damn. I just, I don't know I'll how to learn. drive it. I'll go take classes. That would be like, it's a class C. But man, that would be the ultimate. I can like, do it. Girls trip. But as long as I don't have to drive in the mountains. But I think that is mountains. Oh, shit. You have to like learn how to downshift. Oh, My shit. husband knows how to do that. But ugh. anyway, okay. So that's where we visited on those two um, two cases. Yes. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. Um, really neat. Just creepy vibes and anywhere in that city. Yeah, right. and it's just interesting when you know you walk through the city and you see all these buildings. You're like, wow, that's beautiful. Wow, that's beautiful. But then when you learn the story behind them, it makes you wonder. And then we did more stories you will find yeah. when you listen to these episodes coming up. How many of these places have crazy ass stories? I know. I'm sure every one of those buildings had something crazy. Marie Laveau, man, she just, I think she just put a curse on the whole city. <laughs> you don't want to fuck with her, man. Hell no. Nope. Love you, Marina, Marie Laveau. Don't. Yeah, I mean... Can't You're a badass bitch, but yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I just love being in that city and the just the creepy energy. vibes. Yes, it's a, it's just a weird energy everywhere. Yeah, no matter if it was like a happy place, that daiquiri place, still creepy. Everything is creepy. Everybody's weird. Everybody's just kind of like, like transient and like mm-hmm. nobody really like. Even the people that are live there aren't from there. Yeah, so it's just kind of like this weird vibe it's just a weird yeah. vibe yeah but we love it so that's kind yes. of the, that's the places that we visited hope you enjoyed the episode um and yeah i hope you enjoyed it hope you enjoyed the authenticity of us you know it wasn't amazing sound quality but yeah just being on location of course and you know hearing the second line in the background and and all the other people things yeah, in the background just hope it made you feel like we were you were there with us yeah and follow our friend steven's podcast yeah. the vampire librarian He's badass. He always interviews authors. He does on video things and he's just, he's just cool people. Yeah. He's got an English degree. So he's like literary guy and he is very passionate about vampire history and folklore and novels and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, he runs this vampire book club for Marita's business Mm -hmm. and it's, he's kicking butt. Yeah, it's really he's getting awesome. like really legit people. Like it's not just like, oh, this is a fun little hobby. It's like, yeah, legit. Charlene Harris, which yeah. is like, oh my gosh, yeah. I read all of her books. She's the Sookie Stackhouse novels, True Blood. Yeah, so that's what's based on. And so she he interviews he's, all these big yeah, authors. He's legit. Yeah, so you guys follow him. He's no scrub like us. No, <laughs> out of his basement. No, he's, yeah. He's doing cool shit. He so. is doing cool. We're doing cool shit too. Yes, yes. No, we are. But remember, he's got Marita. Yeah. So he's got pull. We don't have a Marita. He's got like the true bloodline. I don't want to give it away, but you guys need to get her book. Yeah. Um, we'll put it on our um, on our Facebook, and it's called the New Orleans Vampires History and Legends by Marita Crad- uh, Crandall. So good. Blood in the Big Easy. Is that what it says? Yeah, on the back. It's super good. And we don't want to ruin it, but she's got some cool bloodline. And yeah. So, I mean, he's got some pull because of her. Yeah. We don't have that. Yeah. 
the Heather Farr and the Jessica Rudig, we <laughs> we're we're pretty awesome, but we don't have that kind of pull. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I right, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um don't wanna kill you with another ending tagline because we did do it. Yeah, in the we previous. won't kill you. So I'll so, just say bye.